This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. A pandemic, fires, locusts, explosions, riots, and season two of Funny People Talking. So, you know, 2020. This is Funny People Talking. I'm Jen Cody. I am an actress of stage, TV, and voiceovers. And I would rather sit through a very earnest cabaret in the basement of a theater of Maltby and Shires, any musical sung very earnestly by really earnest actors, than sit through funny people talking here. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Funny People Talking. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Rako, and uh, the, the other but far more important host is Dresden Angle. Hey, Dresden. Hey, hey, my friend. Why am I more important? Because you just is. <laughs> okay, because uh, I got the funnier, longer name. And you laugh funnier, way funnier than I do, way, that's for sure. Way. way, way funnier. And also, of course, here with us, driving the bus, is Elsie herself, our producer. Hi, Elsie. Hi. <laughs> Okay, so uh, anyway, also with us today, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, am I excited. We have an actress extraordinaire. She is dine o might. Her name is Jen Cody. She is an actress, a leader, a Disney princess. She's also the second vice president of the Actors Association. She plays Maggie on Mickey and the Roadster Racers. Um, sure, sure I do, say, yeah. And <laughs> she is an American dancer and actress who's appeared in numerous Broadway shows, including Urinetown, Grease, The Pajama Game. She's well-known for voicing Charlotte Laboe in Disney's animated film, The Princess <laughs> and the Frog. And she's also married to actor Hunter Foster. I Power believe... couple. Power couple. Still married 26 years later. Still Ooh, married. 26. That's let's, awesome. Let's see how it is at the end of this show. But yes, good to go. <laughs> uh, no, congratulations. Why, on, Why? are you going to hit on her? Cause, but cause, um... oh, <laughs> hey, we've well, been together every anymore. day during COVID. You never know. I know. Isn't that true? I know. Anyway, congratulations on every piece of that. We're so happy to have you here. And we've got a wonderful show ahead. We're going to have another Dresden moment, something, I don't even know what, from Elsie. And, uh, of course, a brand new improv game, by the way, selected just for Jen. And, of course, we'll dive deeply into everything that is Jen Cody. So that's coming up. I'm so excited. But first, I have a question for Dresden. Oh, my gosh. Dresden, I noticed that you you have on today which I love, by the way, you know, oh, those, those, you. so those New Year's glasses that say the, oh, the, yeah. the numbers yeah. of the year, you know, yeah. it's like 2020 or whatever. But for some reason, it says 1987. And I, I really am not sure exactly why today of all days you'd be wearing oh, glasses, say okay. 1987, I, especially not even December 31st today. So I can't wait to hear about this one. Have you ever seen pictures of what I look like in 1987? Oh, yeah, I have <laughs> well, actually. <laughs> I just like to sit around and stare at pictures of myself from 1987. <laughs> yes, when when I my clothes were in single digits. 
Ah, but um, and didn't have X after <laughs> the title. Oh, yeah. Well, no, it's okay. More of me to love. But who the heck wants to wear this year's? I'm not going to say the name of the year. Like it's that rabid yeah. and horrible. Oh, I got it. Who wants to even say the the two o two o? Right. So right. 1987 was a magical year. You had bands like Duran Duran, the band so nice they named it twice. You had <laughs> just an array of songs that just, you know, made you want to dance, shake it around. You even wanted to dance on cars in 1987 to Whitesnake songs. Well, they yes. could withstand yeah. it but back yeah. then, too. Right, because they Today were better cars. just crack. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just going to sit here yeah. with my 1987, flipping through my photo albums, wearing my sorority shirt. Okay, it doesn't fit anymore. Looking at my sorority shirt. And just <laughs> let me have my moment. So thank you for not judging. Let me have my moment. That's a song. All right. Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, I, I admire that viewpoint, the lens through which you look at uh, <laughs> the year. And, uh, and uh, 1987, I was a junior in college. Everyone can uh, backfill that and figure out exactly how old I am right now. Anyway, uh, Dresden, thank you very much. Uh, we are ready to start the show. Uh, Elsie, why don't you tell me to start the show, would you? Start the show, would you? Yeah. <laughs> From the Mouth Media Network Studios in New York City, this is Funny People Talking with Mark Rako, Dresden Engel, and Elsie. Hey, everybody, we are here. We're still here. We didn't go away. We're still here. You're listening to us, which proves it. And it's funny people talking and also here with us. Thank goodness. Oh, thank goodness. It's Jen Cody. Woo-hoo! We've got lots so much, so much fun coming up with her. Her pretty pink cat glasses. Like her, they're not cat right? glasses exactly, but they're. Do they, they make little, me look smarter? They do. They do. If you yeah. took them off, I, I don't know what I would think, but with Just, them on. What? Oh, where, yeah, right? Where'd she go? Completely. <laughs> and, yeah. No, no, they they do. They definitely. <laughs> well, we've got a great show, but quick piece of housekeeping before we go too far. Just to let you know, Jen, on every episode, we we would love nothing more for reasons I won't go into now, but I've had a number of close calls with Tina Fey, uh, almost, and our biggest wish in the world is to have Tina Fey on the show, near the show, send a postcard, anything that will connect with the show in any way. Tina Fey is our God. We pray to her and the comedy gods every show, hoping some way, somehow, just by putting out in the universe, that will happen. So you're welcome okay. to join in with us if you, the spirit moves Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Uh, so we will pray now. Uh, Dresden, I usually leave off why don't you lead off the prayer this time if you okay. don't mind yeah i'd be happy to tina, tina. please sit tina. on our lap tina. Tina. why don't you reach out somehow somewhere tina. 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 Really cool. tina, tina, tina be on the show we know where we are we love you tina Thank you what very do I much. I feel with Jen's beautiful pleading that we're it could happen. It. We're gonna get it could it. happen. I do. <laughs> is she in so, your phone, Jen? I know. All you. She is not in my phone. I was actually thinking of like, right? I was like, who do I know that knows her? Oh though? my god! If she, I believe sincerely, I really mean this. If Tina caught wind that we do this every show, 
and what she and, might and call she, in. Yeah, she might do something. We yeah. might find. I believe she would. I think she's exactly she's that way. She's a cool chick. She's a I cool think chick. She, she would. Gets it. If we really dedicate a part of every show for as many shows as we've done this, I believe that she would do it. So anyway, all right. So before we go any further. I think it's a perfect moment in time for... And now, it's time for Dresden Moments. So, Dresden. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you able to be with us at the moment? No, my husband just delivered me some food. Oh, lovely. Okay. Yeah. So, Paul, what did you just ask me? I I, I emailed you the... I emailed... I I texted you the thing. (laughs) All right, who's going? Bang. They're going really to the haunted qu- caves of Lockport. Oh, nice. I'm, I'm, I'm quite well, motivated to keep else. this all in the show, actually, by the way. <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> That's right. So, you know what would have oh, been better to keep in yes. the show? If you heard earlier when my 14-year-old daughter said, what is this thing you're taking me to tonight? I said, it's called the haunted caves of Lockport. And she goes, it's not going to be one of those pumpkin shit playground kind of places is it <laughs> yeah and probably, i'm like oh yeah. she, she's not a kid oh, anymore she's 14 pumpkin oh, shit. so that no. should be their tagline come to the lockport haunted caves we're not a pumpkin shit playground kind of place maybe if you told her it was pumpkin <laughs> spice that might have just like she my girl ain't trendy. basic my girl ain't basic okay that's right that's right all right anyway so so, so back to it the Dresden is, moments yes so I've been very fortunate in my day to work with through public relations and performing with with some known celebrities. And um Ironically, I, not Tina Fey. Funny enough. <laughs> honey, honey, the night's young. I know. My husband just texted me, blow kisses to Mark for me. So mwah, mwah, mwah. I've also had the opportunity to work with some amazing people in my in my career. I've worked worked in tourism one time with this lovely gentleman, lovely, lovely gentleman by the name of Frank Cody. And, and and if I tell you he has the same last name as our guest, you will understand why. Well, he was a rock star in the tourism world. Every single person in my town of Rochester worshipped him and adored him. And I was supposed to be at a dinner that he was attending, but instead I had to go to New York on business, and I went and saw Shrek, the musical. Oh. So after the show, I met the, you know, shake hands with people line, and this lovely actor, dancer, singer, by the name of Jen Cody came out and I said, Oh, Jen, what a coincidence. I'm supposed to be having dinner with your dad right now. And I couldn't, didn't even get the words out. And she said, let's go backstage. Come on. You want to meet everybody? And this amazing woman, just because I told her I was friends with her dad, took me backstage of Shrek. I met Johnny Batagula, hashtag crush. Oh, there's Brian Darcy James. Oh, there's Sutton Foster taking off her green makeup. Oh, this is nothing. You want to see the stage? Sure, we'll go on the stage. Just because her father was the most amazing man in the world and because she loved him so much, just mentioning his name, she did this for this girl from Rochester. So Jen Cody, woman who's been on seven cast albums because she's a Broadway star. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Please. I, you know, it's always nice. I, I forget sometimes the joy that that, like, it's, it, sometimes you take it for granted. And so it's nice to hear that, that it, it was something special to you. Cause for me, it's probably like, oh, it's backstage at Shrek. It's the Broadway theater. It's filthy. You know, like, but, it's but nice you, to hear the other side of that. Yeah. But, but you knew, like, you wanted to give me something special because I told you I was friends with your dad. And that just, 
you just said, hey, let's go backstage. Like, there wasn't a discussion. You just said, come. No. And because you're Jen Cody, the security guards just, I'm like, I'm with Jen Cody. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm sorry, autograph line. I'm going backstage yeah. now. <laughs> So anyway, I've well, seen you in so many Broadway I'm, shows. You're just beautiful and magnificent. But then to meet you and for you to be that amazing to a stranger, bless you. So it gives our listeners wow. some idea of how freaking fantastic you are. <laughs> Very you. nice. Well, that was a great, uh, most fitting most fitting Dresden moment. Thank you very much. <laughs> lovely, lovely, lovely here. All right, up next, I have been told Elsie's going to do something. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's an installment of Yum or Yuck of Elsie's World or something else. I don't so, have a world. Th that's true. That's true. We established that. Uh, which, uh, Elsie, what you got? She loves bacon. She's cantankerous and her cat's in a jazz band. She's the producer. It's Elsie. Um, I was going to tell a story about Halloween sort of no 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 i changed my mind not halloween <laughs> so, so now, no halloween story no i'm gonna tell a story about my friend's uh kid that's what i'm gonna do so uh i was over at my friend's house and uh we were at the kitchen table and they had taken these school photos you know and everyone's all lined up like in the foyer kind of thing and someone's far far away and takes the picture so yeah we're looking at the picture and and my friends pointing at all these kids who flipped the bird in the picture, thinking they were all, <laughs> all cool. And um, so then we noticed that her her kid did it too. And all of a sudden, it wasn't funny anymore. So then uh, her kid comes in the room with her sister and her little brother. And uh, yeah. Was, wasn't that an episode of Roseanne? <laughs> How old? Yeah, I'm just telling a story. So. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> oh, so. you just paused? The story's still going on? Mark, she was pausing. You got me I'm in so trouble. Sorry. Did I ruin the story? Did I ruin the story? N no. Okay. <laughs> so then they had to go to the principal's office. <laughs> what? <laughs> so at the principal's office, it didn't go so well. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm... Continue, go ahead. Go ahead, please. So, <laughs> so then I said, <laughs> and then you said, just wait till my friend's son DJ comes, <laughs> and then it's gonna be all over. Oh no! Is that so, is, is that the end? Yeah. Oh, thank God. Jen's <laughs> crying. Jen's crying. Oh, yeah. She had to wipe beneath her pretty pink cat glasses. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure that Elsie might have broke up on that one a little bit. Oh, my God. Oh, my Elsie. God. Elsie, like... how old is the child? Which one? The one who, the child, the, the offspring that flipped the bird. Uh, Becky, I think she was in high school. How did I know her name was Becky? <laughs> Because it was Roseanne. It was an it episode was, of Roseanne. It was an episode of Roseanne. <laughs> oh, I thought it really was her friend. That's all she had to share? Yes. <laughs> it's just the reruns of yes. Roseanne. 
don't have a life, so let me tell a story from a sitcom plot. <laughs> oh my god, I'm sweating. Yeah. Oh my god, that was worth every second of that, Elsie. Thank you very much. All right, so that I can somehow collect myself, um, we're going to take a quick break when we come back. It's time! It is time for a really fun improv game that I think Jen is going to have a good time with, and everyone else will too, right after this. Person, woman, man, camera, TV. Microphone, podcast, comedy, improv, interview, Food, chickens, circus clowns, why me? That ought to do it. This is Funny People Talking. As an American, there is no greater privilege and responsibility than choosing who will represent you and your family to determine the course of history, your lives, the economy, your health, your safety, on November 3rd, please choose to vote. To vote early, or if you need an absentee or mail-in ballot, please visit vote.org. Your future self thanks you. All right, everybody, time for an improv game. Uh, this, this one we've never played on the show, and it's called Oscar Winning Moment. And the idea behind it is that it's similar to our game, The Big Announcement, where you have a small thing to share, but you deliver it as if it is your Oscar winning moment in a film. So, in other words, as if we are watching a clip from the film, that is the moment that probably was that Oscar-winning moment. Emily, so, uh, Mark, can we later in the show play some audio of Jen's? Yeah, I'm going to do that when we're talking scene. to doing the interview with her. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> I'm just yeah. saying, like that's going to be my bar. Yes. It's going to be yes. that high. It's okay. her blue blood scene. Everybody. Hanging okay. with the show because you have I to love that. I love that so much. We will definitely do that. <laughs> Absolutely. When I saw that, I, I was like, yep, yep. She, I, I, she, obviously, we all know who she is. But when you watch that, you're just like, yep, she's got the goods. She should have her own show, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I don't do anything small. <laughs> no, nothing, you know, small. nothing small. Um, anyway. Me neither, unfortunately. <laughs> I actually watched that wondering if there were a couple in there you just stuck in off script just because the spirit moved you and excellent one. So, oh, the whole beginning was improv. Yeah, I believe it. So, yeah. Um, anyway, okay. Awesome. So, uh, let's start out. I actually would love to start with Dresden if we could, if I could put you on the spot, Dresden. So, okay. Jen, why don't you come up with a suggestion? And basically, what it is is okay. So, an example might be. Um, Dresden has discovered that she is a hangnail or okay. the kids will be late from home from school or Roseanne's been preempted tonight, or it could be any small piece of news, very small, <laughs> like, like I don't have any more coffee, but it has become an Oscar winning performance in a film as if we are watching an actual clip. So, okay. So what, how about, Oh, I have to wait till we start. No, right? no, this is it. Oh, I we're in it. Oh, this is it. This we're is in it. it. We're in it. It started. <laughs> because this happened to me today. today? I went. 
Yeah, right? I went to rip off some saran wrap, and that little serrated edge broke <gasps> off. Oh, yeah. And, and I what are you supposed to do now? I couldn't. It's it's like a waste. Oh. The whole thing is a waste now. Gosh, oh, jeez. All right, so Dresden, thank you very much. And Dresden, this is your Oscar-winning moment. No, it's okay. No, I just have to make the kids sandwiches for lunch. No, no, really. It's just going to take me a second. Just give me a minute. No, no, really. I really, really need to go with you on this trip. It's important. Just give me a minute, okay? I'm just going to... Oh. Oh, my God. Oh. The plastic wrap. You don't understand. It's so big and it's so shiny and it's nothing. I can't make the sandwiches. And <laughs> it's now only a weapon. Do you see? This weapon in my hands. The children have no sandwiches. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Dresden Angle. Very, very, I don't know what the good. heck that sounded like. Well, <laughs> I only assume you're lightheaded right now. That's all Damn. I have to say. Oh, my God. That I didn't oh breathe God. properly. Thank you. Oh, my God. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for calling that out to my aging college professors who are listening and knowing oh. I didn't breathe properly. Thank you. Oh, no. I was just saying I, I probably would be lightheaded, so I assumed you would be. So, okay. Uh, I'll go next. Then let's do Jen. Let's finish off with Elsie, shall we? Perfect. So, uh, sure. Dresden, why don't you give... Give me a scenario. So how about one of my favorite movies is Willy Wonka. Oh, yeah. But I think this is going to be a more sensitive Willy Wonka. Oh, okay. Where when Augustas does go to drink and ultimately fall into the Chocolate River, you simply try to level with Augustus about the... You know, the hardships of, of uh, being obese okay. and, and also, you know, the high calorie count of the... Okay, <laughs> thank you. Got it. Now look here, Augustus. Just come over here and just look me in the eyes. Because you have to understand, I haven't always been rail thin. <laughs> there was a time, and I know it may be difficult to believe, but there was a time when I was over 2,000 pounds. <laughs> I, in fact, I, they had to weld three cars together just so I could get to places so I could fit in it. And, and believe me, I understand it's difficult, but I have to tell you, chocolate is the enemy. It is the enemy. The same way the Nazis were an enemy. The same way that a child abuser is an enemy. Chocolate is an enemy. I cannot tell you the things it had done to my life, the ways it had hurt me. I don't want those things for you, Augustus. I don't want them for you. I'm sorry. This is just bringing back so many memories of the time that I lived in the cider house. Oh, and, my God. And there was so much chocolate. There was so much, There was absolutely no cider, which was very <laughs> odd. But there was a lot of chocolate. And I'm telling you, I never want anyone to go through that. I can't. Here's a peppermint. And scene. That's it. Thank you. 
All right. Wow, we've equated gluttony <clears throat> of chocolate to Nazis and yeah, child I abusers. feel terrible. It's just the memories. It's all scarring. It's all the memories. Scarring. It's not your fault. It's flashbacks. Okay, so, Jen, it's your I'm time ready. for your Oscar-winning moment. And uh, what i like you to do is your Oscar-winning moment is the moment in which you were unable to blow up a balloon for a birthday party. Okay. So whenever you're ready, this <laughs> is Jen Cody's Oscar winning moment. Okay, you weren't there. All right, if you were there, you could have an opinion about this. I had the balloon in my hand. Everybody was watching me. <laughs> and I put it to my lips. And I thought I was just going to blow. <laughs> and it would blow up. It was a big, big balloon. And I put it to my lips and that chalky feeling that happens. It was there. I thought everything was going to go great. And I started to blow. And blow. And nothing happened. And I was, I was farting. And it was coming out the wrong way. And I was humiliated in front of six-year-olds. That's what happened. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Jen Cody with her Oscar winning moment. Nicely done. Beautiful. (laughs) Very good. Okay, and we will finish out. Thank you, Jen. That was great. We'll finish out with. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, I feel so sorry for you right now. With Elsie. So uh, we'll we'll come back to Jen. And why don't you give uh, Elsie her Oscar winning moment motivation? What is she doing in her moment? She's going to get on a public city bus. And her Metro card doesn't work. Oh, no. All right. Take it away, Elsie, with your Oscar-winning moment. Hey, how you doing? I just put the Metro card in this way. Okay, cool. What? Why is it? I I don't... What? I don't understand why it's... What do you mean? It says there's no money on it. I I know for a fact there's money on it. I got to go somewhere. I have an appointment. But... Come on, man, please. It, uh, can I just, like, maybe ask some other passengers or something? Maybe maybe they can... I can give them some cash and swipe their card or something? What do you What do you mean that's illegal? It's a card. You're getting the money. Uh, please, sir. Sir. But I gotta go... What do you mean you're gonna throw me up and I'm holding people up? I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to get somewhere. It's really vital. It's important. Where am I going? I don't think that's up for discussion. We're wasting valuable time. Oh my God! Oh, I, I'll, I'll move to the back of the bus. Even I'll be the last one where the bumpy thing is. It no one wants to stand by. If you just let me on. Oh my God! It's the worst day of my life. Yeah, you have a good day. <laughs> and see, that is an Oscar-winning moment. And by the way, that is literally the most emotion we've ever seen out of Elsie. <laughs> wow, Elsie. Well, I didn't know you had it in you, man. Nice yeah. job. Thank you. All right. Oh, that is it God, for the Oscar-winning moment. Thank you all for playing so brilliantly. We will be right back after Yay. this where we're going to talk to Jen about one thing, and that's Jen. Right after this. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Funny People Talking and Elsie at Elsie the Producer. 
And please, for the love of all that is holy, subscribe to the show and leave us a damn review and a really, really good rating on iTunes. Pretty please? Thank you. All right, Jen Cody. Okay, I'm going to start with this. I'm going to play a clip from your appearance on Blue Bloods first, and we are going to ju- well, we're not going to judge it, but we're going to we're going to applaud it. So, you can judge it. I don't know, it's only a couple steps above the balloon. I mean, the balloon was that good. <laughs> so, can I set the visual? She's standing in a bra and like some kind of undergarment yeah, yeah. with a She's- jacket on. And she's not, she's not, let's just say she's not going to a job on Wall And it was the coldest day. It was freezing out. That's so funny you say that because when I shot on Blue Bloods, it was during the polar vortex as well. And we shot. That is so funny. You guys have that bonding moment. We were wearing the warming. So I played an NYPD sergeant and we were in the forest. I was with Donnie Wahlberg and uh, the, the female star. I can't remember her name. And so we were in the forest going to find a dead body or whatever. But the main thing is, is it was so cold. I still had the full NYPD big winter jacket on and we still had to wear warming coats in between takes because that's how freaking cold it was. I was not in my bra. Yeah, well, she was She was I know, naked, that's my Mark. Point. There was no warming. My lips are blue if you look close uh, enough. Still, still now. Oh my God. All right, here's the moment right here. Well, it took you long enough. Hey, miss, I think you need to take a break. I'm looking for Mike. Yeah, he's clearly not looking for you. Mike, yeah! Miss, I need you to give it a rest. (laughs) Says who? Ma'am, you need to stop. You're disturbing the whole block. Mike, you gotta come down! All right, ma'am, listen, I don't have to write you a summons, okay? Leave me alone! Hey, hey, all right, all right, you're coming with us. Hey, She bit me. Listen to me, if you ever try and bite me, that will be the last solid food you ever eat. You understand? My okay, that right there, Holy that's crap. my fit. That timing of that is so perfect. That last mic. Oh my god. <laughs> so I need we need to know. Was that last that mic? Was improvised. Um I know. <laughs> they they were so great. They were so worried about like pushing me down on the ground. I'm like, just do it. I'm a stage so actor. Pause and deciding if she's gonna risk it and then just go ahead and yell again. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay, so the question I would love to lead with after that is doing a scene like that, as you look at the tapestry of what you hoped your acting career could be as you (laughs) as you were young, as you were younger, I should say, and and as you kind of looked ahead and see, geez, oh, I hope I hope I hope I can do this. I hope I can do that. Where does doing something like that, in all honesty, fit on that tapestry as far as things you hoped you can do is to have moments like that. You know, it's funny. I don't think I thought of me for that part. I was working out at a gym and one of the writers of that episode was in a class with me. She said, you should see this girl for this part. And when it came across my agent's desk and it said crack whore, he was like, <laughs> you're the <wrong> person. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think all of the characters that I play have a little bit of fire in them. However it comes out is different. I never thought crack whore, but now when I play like normal people, I'm, so I'm like, ugh, I wish I was playing the crack whore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. 
I just love that that was known as so you're in the credits on Blue Blood. Yeah, and the be, um, I did a voiceover once for um, American <sighs> Dad, and I played old legless whore. So you have whore twice. You Stop have whore it! Twice. I'm so jealous. I can't. Oh, say I've played it. a whore many times, but that's the only time I've been called wow. whore. Oh no. <laughs> Legless, wow. legless Mexican. Now remember the character description said that when she, she flipped tortillas with her stumps and she smelled like an old wet jean jacket. That, Stop. What? No. That's, that, no. That's the moment where you say, please, please let me get this one. Please. I, I, please. Wow. Okay. So, so. Flipped tortillas with her stumps. <laughs> I got to put So I realized that when people who know down. about Jen Cody think about Jen Cody, they, they honestly. I mean this in all seriousness. They don't think crack whore. They think they think princess. They think princess. They think Broadway. That they think fluffy kitty. We all have a way casting directors and directors and producers think of us. Who who are you that you, like? What does Hollywood or what does Broadway think you are? Hmm, it's funny. I remember once going into an audition and. Someone said, oh, you're like the blue-collar Kristen Chenoweth. And I was like, okay, I can do that. <laughs> so I think, I mean, I think because I'm tiny and I'm blonde, people expect a certain thing, and then I'm actually kind of a little crass and a little... That's me. I'm, I, don't, I don't fit into necessarily the mold that the outside looks, and I like that. I, I think one thing you have in common, with, uh, well, I'm sure many things, but one thing you have in common with Kristen Chenoweth that I think makes that comparison make super sense is that you both have this volcano inside of you that I think is probably the root of a lot of the humor that you pull out because it seems like you have an enormous energy that you're able to pull out of yourself in your performance. Can you grasp a little bit you know when you're approaching different kinds of roles what do you think other than it being you that's sourcing these performances what do you think the through line actually is because it seems to me without without trying to form your answer for you in any way honestly i definitely in looking at some of the work that you had available to to see it seems like a through line is there is a hint of humor in most things that you do what do you think the through line is for you? You know, I was telling the story earlier. I remember I didn't know this was a job, right? No one ever said, like, you could do this on stage. or I didn't know. And um, a theater troupe brought me to New York, and I saw a production. I was very young, and I saw the original production of Noises Off. Mm. And I remember um, sitting in the audience, and everyone around me was roaring with laughter. And I'd never... I'd never been a part of that before, that all these people could laugh at the same thing. Oh, it's amazing. And um, the actress who came out on stage, Deborah Rush, was playing Brooke. And she came through the door, and she was this actress playing an actress. And she turned upstage, and there was a mirror on the wall, and she started doing mirror exercises with herself. And something in my mind clicked. And I remember thinking, oh, that's comedy. Like, that's humor. I didn't. I didn't ever like understand a bit, right? Yeah. Until um, I saw that, and it was really clear for me. And then I got to work with like really comedians. You know, Sally Struthers taught me so much about crafting a moment. 
I watched her in, in Greece. I've done a few shows with her, but in Greece, she would work on a moment night after night and we would see like the math of it. And, and if we held, like she held three counts here and then turned in a slow turn. And then sometimes she'd do a fast turn and you could tell that she was creating this moment. So I, I guess that's when I knew and I, whatever that is, is what like draws she... me to do it. Yeah. And then do you remember the first time you heard the laughter and felt the Yes. I was doing, Ooh, I was doing me. a high school show. This is so stupid, but I was doing Anything Goes. At Rush at Henry. Rush, yeah. Well, Roth High School. And, um, <laughs> Roth High School, yeah. The, the, I was supposed to shoot a gun and a bird was supposed to like fly off stage and something happened and the bird actually fell on the stage. And while they continued the scene, I went over and gave the bird mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. <laughs> oh, my God. And the audience, like, you the audience the show, the audience minds. was going crazy. And I was like, oh, I get what this is now. And it's like, you know, it's like a drug. You know, it's interesting to to hear you talk about crafting a moment. I remember the first big film I worked on was actually as a background actor with Steve Martin. And I watched Steve Martin being, as a very physical actor, truly engineering and rehearsing every moment of what he was going to do that seemed like an effortlessly completely extemporaneous set of moves but they were so choreographed and carefully thought out and then when he did i watched him do that then i watched him do the scene and it didn't seem like it could be the same person doing those things and realized how much this is all about engineering ultimately for the audience, a simultaneously involuntary emotional reaction. It's such a cool thing. So can you talk a little bit about going from those stage experiences into doing TV or film and having to adjust, not not just for the process, but the fact that you didn't have that audience to laugh at you now and having to still execute? I don't know. I think it's a little misleading because my first, I got a, a television show written by Paul Reiser. I got cast and I went out to LA and my first scene, I had like all these scenes in it, but for some reason they, they did my big scene, which was the final scene first. And it required ranting and raving. And um, we like did a couple takes and, and the director came up and he said, where's the energy that you had in the audition? And I was like, Oh, oh I was so, I was so afraid of being too big. And he's like, no, can you just do what you did in the audition? And I, I was so worried about making it for this box that um, I was losing the energy that they wanted for the character. And, uh, and I realized a lot of that is you do you and film and TV is so much about the director deciding what they want to show. So it was a real learning lesson. And then when I got back to my trailer, I, I like had this realization and I ran outside and I said, did you do this scene first in case I was terrible and you had to recast? And he was like, wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, he was honest, but it was the reality of thinking, oh, wow. I was this kid from New York and they didn't know if I was going to produce. So what ha- wow. I love that you asked and I yeah. love that he was, that was great. What, what happened to that show? It was a pilot. Uh, it was um, Bobby Cannavale oh. and me and uh, meow. And the guy who was from uh, Pretty Woman. Uh, the gentleman, I can't remember his name. Character man, the Mercedes oh. rule. It was a really, I thought yes. really good, but um, gotcha. didn't get picked up. Well, that happens. <laughs> so how many times were you told while you were doing Princess Charlotte? How many times were you told to give them more? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Guys, there are fan sites. We're talking about Princess and the Frog. There are fan sites that want you to be nominated the ultimate Disney <sighs> princess of all time. Sure. Like you are so loved on Disney fans. I actually sure. just did another thing uh, two weeks ago with Charlotte and I hadn't, I hadn't done Charlotte really? in uh, a couple of years. So that was wild. <gasps> What'd you have to do to tell yourself to get back into Charlotte? Uh, I actually watched the movie because you know, <laughs> when you're in it, um, and you know, so much yeah. of that movie we made, it was videotaping me like in a big room. I had a lot of space and, I remember this one scene that was cut where Charlotte has a reaction to something about not getting what she wanted. I can't really remember the scene, but it was going to cut to like China and Africa with all these people like covering her, their ears because Charlotte was screaming. And I did so many takes where I was just screaming on the floor, like a having a tantrum and stuff. Um, but yeah, oh that, that scene didn't make it in, but they never told me to be bigger. <laughs> Was that the, was getting cast in that the biggest thing that had happened to you in your career? Oh, because so, yes. you know Disney. I got called because they were in New York and they were looking for singers who could do this new Disney film, and uh, the casting director had seen me in The Wild Party, and the character was similar in that she was like a 1940s flapper. So they called me in, and I I auditioned for almost a year. I would audition and then not hear anything for a couple months, and then they would call and be like. So we're going to bring Jen back. And I'm like, am I still up for this? Like, and then the last time I went in, it was truly like me and stars. And so there was no, I, I think I did well because I didn't, I was like, well, I'm never going to get this. This has been really cool, but this, they're not going to go with the no name. So, so yeah, it kind of worked out. I remember when they called and they were like, so you're going to be, you know, a princess. And I was like, are you kidding me? My friends threw me a princess party. Wow. It was, it was Yay! Wow, that's really cool. Do you know who you were up against for that? Who you were finalist with? I do, but I don't want to say. I don't want to say because I feel bad. But I will say one of them um, has the initials BS, and she may have showed up with her baby and was feeding her baby, handheld baby, a Coca Cola. Gotcha. Does any of that ring true? Oh, yeah. Like a baby feeding him a Coke. That, wow. In the waiting Interesting. room. Interesting. So I guess yeah, I guess I, the guilt yeah. just so uh, got in the way of the performance, maybe. I don't know. But. So now you're doing some more voice work. So now you're a quadruple threat. You're a singer. <laughs> you're a dancer. You're an actor. Now you're doing voice work as well. And comedy, you're like... You're like, you know, an octo threat. Give us like some insight on, you know, from your home studio. Are you during COVID voicing commercials? Are you still going to New York? Give us some snippet of what your life is like right now. I did what everyone did is that made a closet into a home studio, right? Everyone yeah. did. <laughs> we were like, how do we, they were giving like tutorials on how to do it. Um, <laughs> For real? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I did that, which has been great. I mean, I don't know about you, but. I would always like if I had an audition, I would be with my microphone and my blanket over my head and, you know, trying to create. And now I don't have to do that. But, you know, I think studios right now are kind of getting back into us coming back in. They're very great about like cleaning every booth. And like the last thing I did, I had to bring my own props because they're not going to give you anything in the booth like water or anything like that. So it's been a slow move back to the studio. What are some of your favorite things that you're voicing? presently that you're allowed to talk about well I do I do cartoons and I love them I love 
there's two kinds of cartoons that you do. One is like they listen to you and then they they draw it, which is a lot easier than lip dubbing, which for a long time I did Winx Club, which was a, a cartoon made in Italy. And so they were using the same animation, but using American actresses. And so I would have to watch the lips move which are in Italian and then try to take oh, the English words to make them fit. Uh, and that was stressful and really hard. Wow. Um, but yeah, I just, I like Mickey and the Roadster Racers. I've been doing that as uh, a character on that, but those are my, my, you know, I love doing cartoons. It's a lonely business because you're usually alone in a booth, but it's fulfilling. You I know, like it seems it. to me like people forget that performers at a high level, they're still just regular people that fight with their spouses that have bad days that don't feel good. They're just not into it that day. But you know, when you're doing a Broadway show, for example, and you're doing your eight shows a week or whatever, that's a really big problem. If you don't deliver and no matter how bad you feel or how angry you are that day or how, what doesn't, doesn't matter in most cases. And then it's the same thing when you, you know, you're, you're working on a big film and you have days and days and days of voiceover work and your voice is tired and you don't get to go. I'm sorry, my voice is tired. Can we do this tomorrow? You just have to be there and you have to deliver at the top level. Can you talk a little about how you have faced that and and gotten through those moments and found it somewhere within yourself to deliver in spite of? Yeah. I mean, I think you, you said before, I'm like, I'm a very physical performer. And so when you first started talking about it, I remembering I did cats for um, a little over a year. I don't think people are meant to be cats. You know, it's like <laughs> your body. Not meant to wow. Volume, volumes that just was. Go ahead, yes. And so I remember, like, I would I would hear the overture, and I would be laying in a pipe under the stage, like, ready to make my entrance, and just dying because it was going to hurt so bad. Like, I, so what? the audience wouldn't know that because you know it's da na 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 na, and then we're all like being cats. So I think those those are like the times of what, like, in, in pajama game, I broke two ribs, and. Um, <sighs> And and it hurt to laugh. And I don't pajama game. My character just laughed. Look, it's a job, and your job is to make it the first time for the people in the audience. And if you can't do your job, you know, I always say it's really easy to do one show if you can do eight shows a week for a long time. Then it's a career, right? That's the hard part. Can you just give me some insight? When you said it's going to hurt so bad, did all your fellow dancers yeah. feel that way? Like when you when it's a show as dance heavy as Cats, is that just the way a dancer is? is? I mean, I could tell you in the Broadway dressing room that everyone would have like heating pads on their chairs. In Pajama Game, backstage at the roundabout, there's like a little walkway step area. There would be bowls of Advil. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, So, yeah, I think you just, that's part of it. It's just the pain is part of it. Let's go back in time a little bit further back than that. And uh, you talked a little bit about the moment of learning that you you had the film. What's the first moment that you actually felt like, gosh, this might happen? This career is actually turning. It's something is happening. I think maybe I'm making it. Because, I, by the way, I wouldn't be surprised if you totally feel like, I'm not even sure I'm making it now. I mean, I know I've had some stuff. That's the, what I was going to say. Right? I was like, have I made it? <laughs> I, I mean, 
you, everyone has a different idea of success. I'm just happy that I get to do it and it pays my bills. To be honest with you, I think making it, I don't know really what that means. I'm fulfilled. So I guess that I've made it, but can that change on a dime? Oh, yeah. yeah, sure. Tomorrow I could find out I'm not going to work again. You know, it's everyone has that thought. So right now I feel very content. I haven't worked since March when I did oh. a TV yeah. show. So uh, it's been a while, but this too shall pass. So you're married to uh, someone else who's got it, Don, Hunter Foster, and he's married to you. And the question, yeah. yes, as far as I know, the, the, <laughs> the question I have is um, it's so important to be with someone who understands what you do. I know my wife and I uh, understand each other enough for, as performers or as people in entertainment that we we understand some of the things that go along with that emotionally, dedication-wise, the hours, the weird things you have to do, the needs you have to support each other and, you know, helping learn lines or whatever it is that you do. But my question is, is um, where does being with someone that's also creative like that become a complication in you living your entertainer life? And I'm not even speaking about him particularly, but you're just an illustration of that. Yeah, I think, I mean, look, marriage is not, you know, it's, it's great and it's hard and it's, it's another job, you know, you have to work at it. Um, but yeah. I, yeah. I think, you know, we had to put up some, some fences, right? Like, because we both were traveling a lot and we both, we were like, okay, here's the deal. We can only take a job that will take us away from each other for three weeks. If it's going to be more than three weeks, we have to, before we take the job, figure out how we are going to get to see each other. Because three weeks feels to be the the line in the sand when you come back together and you're like, huh, did you always smell that yeah. way? Like, <laughs> so three weeks was like the rule and we like, we stuck to it and we decided like that was more important and that's probably why we're still married. I don't think we ever put our career before us. So I think that was probably the key, but it's, yeah, it's good to know. You're like, Hey, I'm going to go do this job in Kansas because it's really, they have a really good monologue and I really want to do that. I can't imagine saying that to like my dentist husband, like, you know, at least my husband is like, Oh yeah, I get it. You know? you know, it's funny. I was saying to another guest who's in entertainment that in my mind, I've always felt that there are two polar opposites of actors and I being an actor in my life as well. One is the black box actor who, you know, will do anything that's creative is fine. Not making a lot of money, probably waits tables and there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm saying that, and then they do their black box, small theater for an audience of seven. And mm -hmm. they have to yeah, feed their soul. Feed it is what drives them. And it's not about the entrepreneurial spirit in any way, except for putting on, how do we make the next one happen? Which is an awesome yeah. set of choices. And then the other complete polar opposite is this is about how much money I can make, how many people I can be in front of, how big I can grow my Instagram account, far, <laughs> far up the wrong. I'm not making fun of that. It's a different set of choices. Looking at it as a true business, it's just that what I do in the business is this. I have a talent and I apply it and I've been good at it, whatever. So where do you feel as someone who's done the craft – and you've also had some level of commercial success, whether or not you've achieved every possible goal you have in your mind of what could happen. 
Where do you think you are as a person, as an artist in that spectrum? I think I'm lucky. I, I think there's just a lot of talented people. I, I think talent at a certain level is just everyone has it. So I think that for some reason, things aligned that allow me to do both of those things that mm-hmm. you say, right? Like when it comes to, oh, I should make a lot of money because my mortgage is due. I should take this job. And then, oh, well, my husband is working. So I'm, I'm allowed to take this little tiny job down in you know, the village for no money because it'll be fun. I guess that's the success, right? That's getting to make that choice. Because I have a lot of friends who, you know, when the job comes, they have to take the job, no matter what it is. If it's a good job, it's a bad job. If it's $300, if it's $1,000, it doesn't matter because they they have to take it. And I think that's the luck part in that I yeah. I, I get to go, oh, I, I'm so sick of doing this commercial thing. I want to yeah. go and and do puppets, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, yeah. So Jen, I'd love to just sort of round out with one last question then, if we could. You've been so generous with your time. We talked about humor being potentially at least one through line for you through a lot of the things that you do. And you have a very natural, well-developed uh, sense of humor. And we talked about that moment where you kind of you know, did it straight and you got that laugh and that was a big lesson too. But when you know a part is supposed to be funny, and the cerebral part of you says, okay, I now need to engineer what I'm going to do and make my choices for this character. And it's not just about, well, let me do it and see what comes out. Although I know that's a part of the process. How do you approach it to say, this is supposed to be funny. So what am I going to do with that? Uh, all right. So I'll, I'll leave you with, I did spam a lot a couple of years ago. Very funny show. I played Patsy, which you were amazing. I was a boy, but I also had to play this other character in the show, and it was the guard. And I'm tiny, and so it was already funny, and it wasn't my scene. And so I was completely drunk and still the whole time, kind of like wavering like I was falling over. And that should have been the scene. And then I said, it just feels like it needs a button. I, I they're already, I mean, I'm so little as this guard. Like, so I had seen Tim Conway do the fall down the stairs. Oh, the slow bit fall down the stairs. That was on Carol Burnett's show. Yeah. And I said, I just have this idea. Can I try this? And when I got stabbed at the end of the scene, I took, I don't know, six <laughs> minutes to slowly, slowly fall. And then my head hit. And then I slowly, that to this day, Anytime I'm back in Rochester, they're like, but guard, <laughs> like not passing at Juba, just wow. the guard. How cool. So I think like that comes from just watching people and having an idea that that, that would be funny if I tried that here. I don't know. Boy, we have loved every second with you. Is there anything that you want to leave behind that's like, okay, this is what I'm planning to do next. This is what I want to tell people about. This is where I want to point people to social media, any place you want people to find you or look for you. I'm actually just focusing on November 3rd right now. (laughs) I'm just focusing on November 3rd. Everything I do right now is just to get us to November 3rd. And then- Then I'll make plans. (laughs) 
right, Jen, fair, Cody, fair. you are a delight. Woo! Thank you very, very much. It's so nice to meet you. You're awesome. And uh, we wish you the very best. And I hope that you get to that rung of the ladder and you see, oh, okay, this is where I was going. I hope that happens for you. So awesome. <laughs> I hope so. That's it. If she's I know, not so. already there. All right. Thank you, Jen, yeah, Cody. You rock. That's it for the show, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. We love you and appreciate you. And uh, hopefully we'll see you next week. Until then, for our producer, Elsie. Thanks a lot. And Dresden. Keep laughing and smiling. That's it. I'm Mark Rako. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you next time. And stay funny. Bye-bye. That's it? That's the end of the show? Boy, uh, boy, what a crock. This was Funny People Talking. No portion of the content may be reproduced or published without the strict written permission of the producers. Connect with our show at Funny People Talking or at our website, funnypeopletalking.com. I'm your announcer, Peter Coleman. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard.